welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. I'm glad you could attend. Come inside. Come inside. You are listening to Season 1, Episode 1 of Let's Talk Hemp in the 422. I'm your co-host, Morris Beagle, hanging out with my partner in hemp spirit, Rick Trojan. And here at the 422, every day is Earth Day. We've got a great show in store for you. And on that note, I'll turn it over to Rick and let him give you the lowdown on what's coming up. Thanks, Morris, and thanks, everyone, for joining us here on the first episode of Let's Talk Hemp, the 422. This show, we engage leaders, advocates, and legislators in the cannabis space, both industrial and commercial. We invite all views and perspectives and agree that together we can all help in prohibition and truly make a positive impact on all things hemp can do for our health, energy, manufacturing, and planet. We review the latest news discuss new and important topics with industry leaders, and host special guests with unique perspectives on this crop and all its benefits. Thanks for joining us on Let's Talk Hemp, the 422. Morris, what's our latest news? There's obviously been news about CBD and cannabinoid extracts. Some of that news is Indiana Governor and Attorney General have removed hemp extracts from from the shelves in Indiana, had a 60-day notice, and that's Obviously created a little bit of a stir in the industry. Things are happening on a state level. Also in Bismarck, North Dakota, uh, the raid on Terry's Health Food, uh, DEA advised based on, you know, that same rule, the extract rule, they raided the store. And you had something, you were there when that happened, right, Rick? Yeah, actually, we had um, the fourth tour of the road trip this last uh, spring and summer. We were out in Bismarck. Actually, the day it was being raided, we were watching the largest imports of viable hemp seed. So hemp seed that was able to be planted uh, was has to be imported under a DEA permit, uh, according to the DEA. We saw that a 30 metric tons of that come into healthy oil seed um, in, uh, in in North North Dakota. That same day, Bismarck police, on based on the DEA's suggestion and advice had raided both Terry's Health Food and His Man Food Co-op. These about $10,000 in, in CBD. No charges were ever brought. Um, thankfully, we were there. We got Terry's Health involved with uh, Vote Hemp, um, a national advocacy organization, and they're working with lawsuits and such uh, there in North Dakota. But it was a big deal. And, and meanwhile, North Dakota still allowed Walmart down the street to sell CBD. So they just raided these smaller mom and pop stores and not these larger stores. It was a complete uh, complete disaster, actually, from a DEA and a PR standpoint. Well, there's been a fair amount of this seeming to happen around the country. Some of these states that don't have really any cannabis laws going on, or maybe they do have the like just the, the CBD legislation that's passed, that we've seen stores getting raided and shut down. And, you know, a lot of us in the industry believe that CBD, hemp-derived CBD, is totally legal. It should be legal in all 50 states. And there's certainly companies out there that advertise that, hey, it's legal in all 50 states. But there are some states that have got legislation with little clauses that have been inserted there, maybe from GW Pharma and other lobbying groups that are making it a bit more difficult in some of these states. And I think we'll be exploring some of that later on in the show. And I think that leads into kind of what Jeff Sessions is doing right now. What's up with that? Yeah, I mean, Jeff Sessions, just to, just to touch base on that last point, we were, I mean, we were in, in Nebraska, which combined about a week after they passed their CBD law, 
Um, and it was kind of, you know, it was done relatively quickly from my standpoint. I literally found out about it the night before. Uh, what it did is I believe Nebraska was the first state in the nation, I believe, in the, maybe in the world, the first place in the world to make CBD itself, the component itself, a schedule four drug, uh, allowed in two cases, uh, with research from the University of Nebraska or with children with a certain intractable epilepsy that have tried, I think, all the other drugs they could get their hands on. So, very limited. It was a very, or FDA approved CBD was a third option. So that happened while we're on the road again about a week before we got there. And I believe that was the first place in the country or in the world to actually schedule CBD specifically. So there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of craziness out there. And, and uh, one thing that, you know, we're hoping to do with this uh, 422, we got out here is to help correct that uh, this misinformation. So one thing that I think is going to be important today that you brought up is this Cole memo. The Cole memo in Jeff Sessions. He essentially said he was going to, quote, return to the rule of law, uh, which I don't really even know what, what that means. And so he, he essentially rescinded the Cole memo, which set up essentially guidelines or priorities for the Department of Justice, such as don't let minors get their hands on marijuana, don't allow criminals to run marijuana cartels, and those sorts of things. So not really understanding why he did that, but we're going to ask all of our guests today what their thoughts are and if it is impacting them specifically on the CBD and on the industrial hemp side. So the memo speaks specifically to the marijuana. It doesn't say anything about hemp, but, uh, you know, it does, it does change the guidelines based of the Department of Justice. So, uh, there is some, there are some concerns, uh, in that regard. Well, I think this is just all part of the battle, all part of the coming to the end of prohibition and last ditch efforts and, there will be clarification coming down the road, and 2018 is going to be a great year. Moving forward, things are going to definitely open up and improve for cannabis on a whole, but in particular, industrial hemp. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think once states that have this plant legalized, they realize there's they don't have unnecessary prosecutions. There's no more there's less systemic racial sentencing right in the prison system. They've all seen an increase of revenue from the profits and taxes. Um, They've all seen a decrease in deaths from opioid overdoses. I mean, it's very, very, there's been a lot of positive, positive also. There's obviously negatives as well, but overall, it's been very beneficial to all these states. I mean, eight states are now on board with, with um, full commercial use of the plant, which I think is fantastic. So, uh, you know, what we're here today to do is just help people. What we say is just hashtag stop being dumb, right? Just learn, educate, educate yourself and educate others. So um, that's what we're here to do. To do. So. With that, I will bring us into the first show. We have a great show for this pilot episode. We've got leaders from across the country in the hemp cannabinoid sector. First up, we have Tim Gordon, the president of CBD, RX, and Functional Remedies, their new fantastic brand. Uh, we also have the incredible Danny Fontaine from Nature's Roots and Colorado Hemp Project, doing some fantastic things all over the world. Uh, we'll talk to her about that and about CBD as well. Following up, we have CV Sciences' Stuart Tonk, and he will walk us through what they've been doing since 2012 in the CBD space. And finally, we have Lex Pelger from our friends at Bluebird Botanicals, helping us uh, get a better view of how 2017 was for Bluebird and uh, the prospects for the next year and outlooks for legislation and all that good stuff. So, uh, thanks for joining us again here on the 422, and let's get into it. 
Welcome back to Let's Talk Hemp in the 422, and we're going to jump into our guest segment as we bring in several leaders from the cannabinoid hemp market to share their perspective on what has been happening in regards to CBD, the DEA, the FDA, moving products online and through retail, and what they see coming down the road. Our first guest today is Tim Gordon, president of CBDRX and Functional Remedies. Thanks for joining us on the show today, Tim. Hey, good, uh, good morning, guys. Such a great honor to be here on the very first episode and taking part in this uh, first monumental podcast. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, Tim. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is Rick. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. And as as you know, we're focusing on CBD specifically for this first podcast and uh, the DEA. And as one of the leaders of the largest CBD domestic CBD companies in the nation, tell us how 2017 was for you guys. Yes, you know, two, 2000. Well, thanks. First, thanks you guys again. 2017 ended up to be a, a, what I would call a monumental year for CBD or actually functional remedies far as from agriculture to product, educating from plant to person. We spent a, a lot of time uh, working on our product line and, and our new functional remedies line that's come out. We also spent a lot of time on the backside, really uh, uh, perfecting um, our already amazing genetics and really perfecting our process of, of how we make our products from our raw material. So 2017 has been a great year. The staff had a wonderful year all around. You know, it just got us more excited for 2018 and what's become on the large picture. So great season for 2017 for CBDRX and functional remedies. And hey, did you happen to have uh, any issues with government agencies, anything being seized in 2017? Well, it's interesting. You know, it, the industry, as you guys know, well know, and as most of your listeners know, it's, it's we're still in the what I would call the inception part, right? We're in the beginning still even though it's uh, three years into it. So there's still a lot of learning curves in this, both on the on the legality side and what's good, what's happening. So, um, you know, to answer your question, Morris, yeah, yeah, we did. We did have some questions uh, brought to us from law enforcement and stuff um, over the 2017 year, whether it was down in our farm, uh, local law enforcement driving by and asking if this was an indeed a hemp farm and not some kind of undercover marijuana operation. And so, you know, there's still uh, those kind of... Uh, uh, misunderstandings or, or, or just questions that are happening here in Colorado. You know, and on a, on a national level, we also had uh, a law enforcement, you know, talk to us about products and shipping products. And, and, you know, it wasn't anything confiscating. It was more inquiries and how are we doing our processes and stuff like that. So um, it is happening, but it's also happening because the industry is growing and there's some lack of conception, a lack of understanding on many levels. So uh, I expect this kind of stuff to happen again into 2018. Do you think the recent, uh, the Cole Memorandum, the recent, uh, the Attorney General Jeff Sessions recently rescinded a trio of Obama um, administration cannabis memos. One was the Cole Memorandum. Uh, do you think the rescinding of that, does that cause functional remedies any concern? I, I, I would say, you know, what, what, is, what has caused more is confusion. Fortunately, we have firm uh, foothold on, on the industry, and, and uh, you know, we rely heavily on our, on our legal guidance to, for understanding. You know, while the, the rescinding of the coal memorandum is, is definitely a, a worrisome act for the recreational marijuana market, I think in general that has caused confusion falling into the hemp market. Is it is it uh, is it something to uh, you know for me to change business practices or anything like that? No, not at all. It's, it's moving forward and, and continuing our processes and providing the best products to to our customers and clients. But it is bringing confusion into the industry on the client base 
and uh, you know on some of our you know distributors who just have simple questions it's like hey does this affect you guys this what uh the attorney general the, is, is is this recent is this going to affect my ability to, to purchase product from you so there's been some general confusion some general questions but like i said on the hemp side this is, is this is you know continue game on continue moving forward for us uh, in the hemp industry you know while like i said our cousins on the marijuana side kind of have a, a, a more worrisome when it comes to this resonance of the coal memorandum. What do you yeah. see happening here in 2018? Any predictions? Legislation-wise, market changes? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we're going to, you'll see a, you'll see a plethora of changes, both in legislative uh, across the country, uh, from state to state, um, inceptions of new hemp programs across the country. And I think we'll see in 2018 the, the, the high possibility of, of hemp being taken off the Controlled Substance Act. So, you know, it's going to be a monumental year in 2018. You'll see um, a, a lot of further regulatory processes coming into place. You know, on the big picture things, some of the big happenings in the hemp world are going to happen in 2018 as far as market regulation and, and federal agencies uh, that regulate, you know, supplement and food products, specifically the FDA, you know, starting the, the regulatory process for naturally derived cannabis hemp products. So I think we'll see the, the the market inception. We'll see the market grow on a national level here in the United States. While the European market will stay steady as it has been, um, and I also think further legislative practices will lead to regulatory practices across the country, state by state, which will lead to the industry, uh, you know, coming into fruition in 2018 with the with the removal of, of hemp specifically from the controlled substance. Do you think that Canada and legalizing CBD for production from hemp up there is going to have a significant impact on producers here in the United States? Uh, you know, Morris, I don't. You know, I, I, I see uh, I see the cannabis world forming. You know, I've kind of talked about this for years. I see it, you know, I've, I always saw cannabis pharmacopoeia existing, meaning this, you know, they'll be, um, they'll be synthetically and naturally derived single molecule cannabis products that will be on prescription basis. We're seeing them in the market right now, much like GW produces in that. We'll see that continue. You know, on the natural products side, we'll see naturally derived products, uh, hemp products, much like supplements like like CBD and functional remedies makes. Um, you know, I think from there it will be really brand specific. If you don't have a, a a a brand and a product that's that's wanted and solid in the marketplace, I think it'll be um, you know difficult for for long term success. Um, so it's it's going to be. I don't I don't see the the influx of Canada having uh, you know the, the release of, of of you know making CBD legal. I, I don't see it having a big effect right now. I see the big thing in 2018 is specific brands differentiating, consuming more of this specific CBD market. Thanks again for coming on. Any last words you want to say to the audience? Any, any big uh, news for um, for Functional Remedies for 2018? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, we've got some amazing stuff coming out in 2018. There's a, a we're, we're doing a... Uh, uh, a, a PR release regarding some uh, some amazing genetic work we've been doing coming up, and, and also uh, we're really excited. We're we're going to be uh, cutting the ribbon on our new state of the art uh, laboratory and production facility here in 2018. So uh, a lot of cool stuff in the mix. And guess what? You guys, we got in April. 
What? No co. No co, bro. No co. All roads lead to no co. That's it. That's it. So super excited for that. Well, right on, Tim. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for being such a great supporter of the industry, and I love what you're doing out there at Functional Remedies and CBDRX, and I'm super excited to come out and see the opening of, of the new uh, facility. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It'll be a wonderful time. Hey, thank you guys for being the voice and voices of reason, a strong voice in the industry also. All right, thanks, man. Take care. Talk soon. All right. All right, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Mm, bye. Okay, we're back here with our second guest today. We've got Danny Billings from Nature's Root and Colorado Hemp Project. Thanks for joining us today, Danny. Hey, thank you for having me, you guys. I'm very excited to be talking with the both of you. Danny, it's Rick. Happy New Year. Hi. I uh, want, wanted to see how uh, how was 2017 for Nature's Root and Colorado Hemp Project? It was epic. Um, it was great. We actually tripled our business on Nature's Root. Um, so we like three times did it last year. And then um, with Colorado Hemp Project, we just have continued to expand. And we brought on a couple countries last year and some more states with some new programs and got some really great genetics out there. And then we're just continuing to do that this year. Just more of it, obviously, just more and more and more. I mean, we, we have a lot that we're taking and handling on this year. So it's Pretty exciting, all the stuff that we're doing. We'll probably have, we're working over in uh, South America, too. And so we'll have uh, large-scale stuff going down in South America and uh, still over in Jamaica since we've been over there for a couple years and uh, then just continuing to grow here in the States, which is... Where are you guys at in South America? Um, So we have Guyana, which we just got brought on to go and help create a whole localization type of uh, model for them because what they're trying to do is trying to go completely solar and green with their country within the next two years. Um, They're trying to like prove a point to the world that you can go solar and stay green and base it all off of plants and um, energy. And so they're taking that model and the president has backed us and we're working with the president of Guyana to create all different types of local sustainability, you know, projects, everything from, you know, the super capacitors to plastics and, and paper and um, milling for protein, for food. And, and they have a massive rice industry down there. So we're just going to, you know, help diverse that up a little bit. So it's not just all rice and oil, that there's going to be hemp involved in that. And hemp's going to be a major commodity at that point. So. Wow, that's super exciting. Good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Guyana's going to be huge. We're going down there next month right after we go to Jamaica and uh, and get it going and planted down there. So we're pretty excited. We'll have 100 acres we're planting first, and then it will bump up quickly to 1,000 acres. But they have like 40,000 acres um, like right next to the Amazon forest that they really want to get going. And they can use and have that be a model um, for cutting down and using all of the, you know, stocks and everything for sustainable sources instead of cutting down the Amazon forest for all the paper and shit that they do now. So it's going to be a nice little model, what we're putting out to the world down there. That's awesome. Good job. Yeah, yeah, that's one. And then, I mean, there's a couple other places. Um, But, yeah, that's, like, my main focus right now. I'm working pretty hard on that project. So So have you had any legal issues, law enforcement, either locally or federally, over the last year? 
Nothing. No. Congrats on that. Thanks. Yeah, that's, I feel a lot. That's fantastic. Well, I think, yeah. um, you know, given the recent, the Attorney General Jeff Sessions and the recent Colm Memorandum rescinding um, some of the other um, cannabis uh, guidelines that were rescinded by Sessions, do you, does that cause concern for you uh, for either on the retail side or on the cultivation side? No. Not at all? No, and I mean, it doesn't even fucking phase me, honestly. I think this dude's a joke. I mean, I think the whole the whole thing is, is this dude's a fucking... Listen, the plant is out there. There's so much backing behind this at this point. This dumbass motherfucker, Jeff Sessions, decides to come out and reverse laws when people have already invested their fucking lives in millions of dollars, like big business, not like just little people, but like big business people have invested their lives in this too. So not only are they going to get pissed, it's just not going to happen. This dude is like wishing. He, he's just like, the, the thing with this guy, I'm not worried about it because there's, you can't at this point, there's so much backing behind, so much research done. There's so many organizations such as the epilepsy, the, you know, the WADA, all of these other organizations that are backing CBD that I don't have. I doesn't even flinch me. I mean, especially the industrial hemp. I mean, that doesn't flinch me at all because that has nothing to do with anything except for creating sustainable byproducts, you know? So I, I feel like anything he mentioned doesn't even have a touch on hemp or, you know, CBD world or whatever you want to call, you know, this industry that's booming right now. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be an issue at all. I mean, there are big, huge pharma players that are investing and buying massive amounts of isolate right now. Like, do you think that they're going to listen to this guy? (laughs) Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. It's just, I just, I, it's never, the, the fear factor doesn't scare me. You know what I'm saying? Fear is a fake form of energy that just wants to go out there and fuck with people's minds. And, and what he did is he sent out a massive fear factor to a whole community of people that passionately love this plant and that it's affected their lives in a positive way. So I think what's going on is he's just trying to do fear factor because what's going on in the world is much fear and people are trying to push fear onto other people and, and it's just what's going on. So we have to stay community strong and just say, fuck you and keep on planting the plant. I mean, it just is what it is. And if they don't want to grow it here in America, fuck them. We're growing it in other countries. You know, those other countries are down, you know, like the presidents are down. They're like, bring it here, please. We need this here. So, you know, fuck Jeff Sessions. That's all I got to say. Hey, we're right there. Hashtag fuck Jeff Sessions. Yeah, fuck Jeff Sessions. I mean, it's just like this dude thinks he's like sometime. Didn't he have like some type of like crazy photo from when he was like back in the day and like being all like young at some dude like strip club by himself and shit like that? Like this dude has some fucking weird things going on in his life. So let him (laughs) fucking weird distraction to other people. Like it's just, you know, again, it's a fear factor. He's fucking weird. Like, he doesn't know right from wrong. He's just a fucking devil, really. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag yeah. truth slash. <laughs> totally agree. So to wrap up here, what great predictions do you have for 2018? Legislation, changes in the market, uh, nature's root, kicking more ass. What's yeah, coming up? Root, 
Nature's Ray is doing great. We're um, continuing to expand. We have a second location opening up in Longmont. And so um, we have that. And then we have like multiple locations throughout the United States that are carrying our products and turning their current spas into, you know, storefront Nature's Root spa locations and educating people about hemp. So that's pretty exciting. And um, with, you know, I mean, I guess predictions for this year, it's going to be massive. You know, I mean, we're in the genetics field too. You know, Bodie and I started a seed company called HGH Seed, which is all for high CBD seeds. And so we have that company too. We we actually sold out. I mean, we've been sold out and uh, we sold a lot of seeds, you know. And so I know kind of what's going to be happening out there. There's a lot of big, big, big players out there, um, not just in CBD, but really trying to get into more of the industrial world this year and looking into more processing and that because, CBD can only be grown so much, you know, before the value starts going down. Um, so it, it's, you know, we have to start looking to other resources and other things to do with this plant. And the best things are, you know, going into the industrial stuff. And that's what I feel is going to start happening. More people are going to wake up to that and they're going to start realizing that. I mean, you know, CBD is a great educational, like, first point for people to start getting introduced to the plant. But to show the, you know, all the potent powers of the plant, it, it, it's getting out there, you know, I mean, it's just one step by the next. So I feel it coming, you know, 2019, I feel we got like a couple years left where we need to absorb a shit ton of carbon or our earth is going to be fucked. So I just say plant as much hemp as we possibly can, turn it into every type of byproduct we possibly can. Otherwise we're fucked in a couple years, like all of us, not just a couple of us, like the whole world. So we need to, we need to switch up pretty quickly. That's what I feel. Amen. Yeah, that's my that's my prediction. So let's all plant hemp, or we're gonna be fucked in a couple of years. That's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's what I gotta say. Yeah, you guys, the new farm over here too. Hey, absolutely, you're right up the road from me, Longmont, and yeah. Again, thanks for all that you do. The message that you take out to the world definitely appreciated from this end. Love you guys both. You guys are both killing it, doing big things. Also, I'm happy we all, you know, get to stay together on this and got to start this together and still be strong in this together. It, you know, shows really good people. So I'm happy. Takes an army of us. Yeah, it does. You for guys sure. are great. So thanks for everything you guys are doing too, and having this, you know, platform to be able to educate more people. This has been what's needed to happen. So you know, highly appreciate you guys as well. Yeah, well, we're we're just getting this going. We're going to figure out our production issues, and we're going to you know, ramp up this show. Love to have you back on as we continue forward, and we'll obviously see you out at NOCO and several yeah. other events throughout the year. Most definitely. All right. Thanks again, Danny. All right, you guys. Thanks, Danny. Have a great day. All right. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye. Our next guest up is... Stuart Tomp from CV Sciences. And Stuart, thanks for joining us today on Let's Talk Hemp for the 422. It's truly my pleasure, and thank you for inviting me on your, your first conversation about this incredible subject. Thanks, Stuart. This is Rick. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, as you know, we're focused on CBD for this episode, and as one of the leading CBD companies here in the States, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how 2017 was for CV Sciences? Well, 2017 was our very best year yet on record. This is really our third year. 2017 was our third year 
in the natural product industry. The company has been in business now just over five years. The 2017 was truly a game changer for CB Sciences, month after month, hitting new sales highs and new distribution highs. So we really had a, a, an incredible year, and we hope that it's just an indication that the future is very bright for these hemp extracts that are now everywhere in the United States. Thank you for everything that you guys have done the last five years. You've certainly been one of the driving forces in the market, educating consumers as well as retailers, showing up at the Natural Products Expos. So thank you for everything that you guys have done just to drive this industry forward and open it up for so many other producers and entrepreneurs. Well, yeah, and, and you know, truly, you know, we're all in this together. It's not a big competition at this point. We're just trying to get this plant legal across the board, yes. all parts of it. It's good for everybody. There's no reason it should be illegal or ever should have been illegal. Thank you for pointing that out. Just one quick second, because you're right. I, I, as I told you when we met, I'm newer to the cannabis hemp conversation over the last, you know, three and a half years. I come from the dietary supplement space. And, and I had made that observation that there was sort of this, what I was calling cannibalism of cannabis, the cannibalism of cannabis, and, you know, the competition. And, and I, I really am excited to see the evolution get to the place where it's a little bit more like the omega-3 community, to your point, where all of the players are participating together with a common goal, and that is to correct the omega-3 deficiency globally. And I'm glad that we're all finally really coming together as a unified force to make this incredible plant available to everybody. So thanks for all of your work over the years. We got to stand on your shoulders and the shoulders of others, and it's really exciting to see that we really truly are a community coming together around this common goal. Well, great. Wanted to jump into legal issues, law enforcement, locally and federally. What kind of encounters have you had the last year, if any? Well, I mean, we've, we've had issues with law enforcement. I mean, when you're in 1,500 health food stores across the country, um, you know, at this point, I'm sure it's obvious to anybody that you're bound to run into, into some issues. But as we've seen in states like Indiana and in other states, once formal testing of the finished products are done and we're able to educate local authorities between the differences of agricultural hemp and, and medical cannabis, they often... Rick just returned the product, and they've even gone so far as to issue statements in regard to the legality of hemp products, including hemp extract, such as, you know, plus CBD oil, the product that they've taken off the shelf. And then, of course, other great products represented by the folks that are on this call and are part of this community as well. So we expect to continue to see issues and clarification when it's needed in different states, but we will continue to work directly with the U.S. Hemp Roundtable to clear up the confusion at the federal and at least the state levels, and on a case-by-case -case basis. It reminds me of this. One time I walked into our CFO's office, Joe Dowling, and he looked up at me and said, hey, Stuart, when alcohol prohibition ended, how many different liquor laws did we have? And I was had a blank look on my face, and he said, well, we, we, we had a lot of them. We had a different liquor law in every state. So it's a nice reminder that this is just part of the evolution of the end of any prohibition. And that's a good point. I think I think that exactly having the transition from you know prohibition on the alcohol side in the 30s to to non-prohibition, it's a very similar transition here. Regulations need to get in place. Those sorts of things. Um, you mentioned the U.S. Roundtable and um, the Industrial Hemp Farming Act of 2017 is a big 
is a bill, you know, HR or HB um, 3530. That's a bill they're a proponent of. Um, what are your personal feelings or what are the feelings of CB Sciences as a, as a company on that particular bill itself? Well, I'm, I'm very excited about HR 3530, the Industrial Hemp Farming Act of 2017. Um, Mr. Josh Hendricks, who I know we're all friends with and familiar with, has really become the lead point person along with Jonathan Miller in, in helping us better understand uh, sort of how the Industrial Hemp Farming Act is going to help to uh, further pave the way for these hemp-derived CBD products in the market. And so although I am very, very excited about finally removing the Drug Enforcement Agency from the farm, because I have spent all of my energy and time on the dietary supplement side, I would like to remind each other and ourselves that once that happens, then we're still back to dealing with the Food and Drug Administration. And so that is a, a separate skill set required. So I'm very excited about H.R. 3530, the Industrial Hemp Farming Act, and encourage everyone interested in the subject to support it. But once that happens and the DA is removed from the hemp farms, we still have to deal with the entire process uh, of getting these products officially a safe harbor inside of the natural product industry. And that would come after this is passed. Gotcha. Well, I think, I think the... To be clear, the, the Farm Act of 2017, the Comer Act, needs some amendments before we get the DEA off, off farmers back and, and allow for full CBD production. But I'm hopeful, like you are, that those amendments will come. But um, in particular to this administration and what's happening and how that may or may not impact uh, CD sciences, recently the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, has rescinded uh, the Cole Memorandum and a couple of other uh, guidelines for the Department of Justice. Uh, in particular, with the Cole Memorandum specifically and the rescinding, does that cause any concern for, for CD Sciences or for anything you guys are doing here in the States? Not at all. I mean, none whatsoever. I mean, the, the Cole Memo rescission has absolutely nothing to do with the hemp industry and hemp products. And so... You know, we clearly had a, a day when that all came out where there was a tremendous amount of confusion. But now that I've had a chance to digest it, and again, my expertise is really on the human nutrition side, but I've been in the industry, the natural supplement industry, for a long time. And what this told me when I saw this move, I thought at least we're going to finally have to embrace a legislative fix rather than something that could be rescinded so easily like a, like a memo. Uh, but again, it does not directly impact the hemp industry or hemp products. I do know that it probably caused a bit of a hiccup for large investments into the cannabis space in general. But like the things we've seen over the last several years that we've all been pioneering this collectively, we've dealt with saber rattling from FDA as well, which I think was very helpful because it caused the hemp CBD companies to have to tighten up their game. And so I think any of these perceived hurdles in the moment are part of the end of prohibition. And I think it's very, very logical that we need to kick this back to the people to truly make law so that we can get this thing settled once and for all. So I'm bullish on it, and it has no impact on our company at all. Excellent. Excellent. So, so what are your predictions for 2018 as far as from a legislative standpoint and from a market change standpoint? Okay, I'll deal with sort of the legislative stuff first and then my views on the market uh, after that. I mean, we, we really are expecting this year to be a landmark year in the clarifying of the legality of both the domestic production of hemp 
as an ag- agricultural crop as it should be, and the products derived from this soon-to-be agricultural commodity. So we're proud board members of the U.S. Hemp Roundtable. We're so excited to be part of this, who's working closely with federal lawmakers to ensure passage of this Hemp Farming Act that will do both of those things, we believe. And we also continue to work closely at the state level on laws and clarification of the legality of hemp products. And it's because of this that we see the market having uh, growth at a time of ambiguity. And that's what's really important for me to communicate. Even with the ambiguity, the evolution still continues because the product delivers on the promise. For so many years in the natural product industry, the hype was bigger than the actual delivery. And we've seen it with things like um, uh, Dr. Oz and what we used to call the Oz effect. And it's probably inappropriate to mention certain products that were overhyped and then failed in the heart of the consumer. The great thing that we all have with hemp and hemp extracts and these phytocannabinoids is that they work. Now, we can argue about, you know, who's making the product in closest regulation with the federal code of, you know, and all of those things, who's taking a a lower risk, a bigger risk than another company, but CBD and phytocannabinoids, they work and they work like nothing we've ever seen before. I did a radio show earlier today, uh, it's called Stay Healthy in Nevada, and the host of the show has been around for 40 years in the natural product industry. And Dr. Jeff Burke said this was the most effective single ingredient he's ever seen in 40 years, and we're hearing that in all 1,500 of our stores. So I'm very bullish on the market, and the one thing that I wanted to share with the audience that we have been doing to help make the argument about the safety of this ingredient is that we are very close, cross your fingers, knock on wood, we hope to be published in Q1 of this year uh, with a document demonstrating the toxicological safety of one of our hemp extract. So this would officially take the ingredient and give it the generally recognized as safe self-determination. That would be the official uh, moniker of the ingredient that we subjected to rigorous formal toxicological assessments. So we're very excited about that because it further makes the safety argument. And then finally, we were able to wrap up our 2017 adverse event reporting. And we've sold over a million bottles, and so we've got a lot of product out there. I'm really happy to report to you, Rick, that we had not one, not one serious adverse event in 2017. In fact, the people that track the safety of our product said that it's safer than any product that they're currently tracking. So if you think about that, if protein powders are getting more adverse event reports than hemp extracts, that really speaks volumes about the safety of this ingredient. And after all, in the final analysis, that's FDA's prerogative and their authority to move in if there's a trend towards public harm, which there is not. So we see all of that as being really great news for hemp products. That is absolutely amazing. Again, companies like you guys that have been there since the beginning of this movement and that are doing trials and studies and proving the efficacy of this product and the safety of this product, you know, that's monumental to this industry becoming legitimate and moving forward. So thank you guys for all that you've done. 
It's truly my pleasure. I want to share one thought on that. That part hasn't come without some pushback. Okay. So we're publishing this work, but not everybody is as excited to receive it in the world of academia. And that's where I see things really changing. Uh, we had a little situation at A4M, the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. We had a conversation from the Southern Nevada Health District. I don't know, Rick, if you'd heard about this, but it caused a little bit of a stir. And uh, the promoters of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine looked at my friend, Dr. Maroon, who's the neurosurgeon for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who was speaking. Was, there were five CBD talks that day. And they said, what are we going to do about this, doctor? Because you've got some health authorities walking around the floor of an anti-aging show suggesting that hemp extracts might not be legal. I mean, that was crazy. So Dr. Rue looked at them. He said, well, we should do something. We need to educate the world. So the promoters of A4M said, let's put on a two-day symposium on endocannabinoids and phytocannabinoids, and let's bring the top academics all over the world together for a massive two-day training of medical doctors. That was a fantastic result from a little bit of irritation from the Southern Nevada Health District. So I see it as all part of the evolution. The more that they push against this, the more CBD and hemp extracts speak for themselves. Well, thanks again, thanks. Stuart. We appreciate you taking the time to, to join us on our inaugural Let's Talk Hemp in the 422 podcast right out of Colorado. Well, it's a pleasure. And thank you for letting me be on the first show. And, and please consider having me back at some time. Oh, absolutely. You know, we're getting this thing going. Both me and Rick are active doing events and education and traveling and entertainment and wanting to bring in thought leaders from around the industry. Of course, CBD and cannabinoids and FDA and Jeff Sessions, all that stuff is pretty hot topic right now. And I think that we're going to clarify a lot of that in 2018. And last up today, we've got Lex Pelger from Bluebird Botanicals, and thanks for joining us on the show today, Lex. Thanks for having me. Hey, Lex, it's Rick. Uh, Happy New Year. How was uh, 2017 for Bluebird Botanicals? Um, it was a really excellent growing year. We had a big growth phase. We have twice as many people working there. We moved to a new facility that's a lot bigger and nicer over in Louisville, outside Denver, and expanding our sales, and especially, I think, of interest to everyone out there, is strengthening our industry allies. So there's the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, um, working with the hemp associations, and trying to strengthen public support out there. So I think the company sees this as another year of building the case for hemp. Um, and one thing that was really good for us was the USDA stating that interstate commerce is okay per the 2014 Farm Bill. So overall, it was a really solid year. Despite all of those political winds blowing around, didn't affect this, uh, this growing industry. Did you happen to have any issues with law enforcement, federally, locally, anything? Um, no, not personally. Uh, we are... We are in one of the entities involved in a suit against the DEA in the Ninth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals um, to try to get them to loosen up on, on hemp laws. Um, and we're always trying to stay on top of the state-by-state -state legislation because that can change quick. We actually won't ship to South Dakota um, because their laws were so um, restrictive that our CEO, Brandon Beatty, thought that it was just um, not, quite, not quite kosher enough to, to be shipping there. And so, uh, and even uh, just recently in Indiana, there was a, I believe he was the deputy attorney general, and he ordered them to start, yank, cops to start yanking CBD products off store shelves 
But then I think the funny part was the governor came out like the next week and said, no, no, we're going to need a re-education uh, campaign here. This is not what's supposed to be happening. So I think this, uh, this little podunk politician tried an overreach uh, to try to get some headlines and the governor slapped him down. So that was kind of funny to see. Um, but overall, the states are coming around. You know, a lot of states you see as conservative, they see a non-psychoactive healing a molecule that, that's helpful for aging in general. And people like that. It means a lot to them. Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I agree with you, Lex. It's interesting you, you you guys stopped shipping to South Dakota because it just wasn't kosher. When Morris and I were recently in, in Poland uh, for the Hemp Summit 2020, and we decided there with our friends from, for some friends from Israel, that the cannabis, what do we call it, Morris? Cannabis is kosher as fuck. So um, it doesn't get much more kosher than that. So cannabis that's where we're at on the kosherness of cannabis, right? So, <laughs> um, and look for T-shirts to be coming out on that soon. Uh, but let me follow up with the next question. Um, the recent Cole memorandum and some other things the Attorney General Jeff Sessions rescinded. Uh, does does that move cause concern for Bluebird as a as a botanical extract uh, dietary supplement company? Overall, no. The Cole memo uh, doesn't is pretty far outside the purview, purview of our industry. I mean, we're lucky because we do have that 2014 Farm Bill, and it's set up by the, that with the hemp pilot programs and exempting hemp from the Controlled Substances Act. So hemp is not under DEA control officially because of that, you know, federal federal bill. But overall, it is a concern um, because the Coleman, it is, it's a, it's a sad sign of times for him to roll back. Something, you know, something that Jeff Sessions says, oh, it's a state's rights thing that we're going to roll over when if it's segregation, it's a state's rights thing that he's in favor of, at least historically. And um, though overall, it, it does seem like the industry is, feels a little bit more competent, not only, not only hemp, but cannabis as well, because, you know, I think when I hear people say that, oh, we've reached a tipping point on any kind of thing around drugs, I think that's a terrible thing to say. Ethan Edelman, uh, uh, the former head of the Drug Policy Alliance, says a lot, too, that hitting, there is no tipping point with this. With America, the history of American politics around drugs, it can always go backwards so far. You know, and there was Carter in the 70s, and everyone said, oh, this stuff is going to change. He's going to legalize it. And then his drug czar got caught doing lines of coke with Hunter S. Thompson, and then Carter wouldn't touch drugs the rest of the administration, and then Reagan came in, and he changed everything. I think the lucky part right now is is that with this administration being so embattled, they don't have the political capital to make, to do something that's so egregious against the public opinion polls right now as going after medical marijuana programs, and especially hemp programs seem to be the very safest. Well, I think we're pretty much in agreement all across the board on the coal memo not having really any effect on the hemp industry. It seems to be pretty unanimous, don't you think, Rick? Yeah, at least from a, from yeah from the hemp standpoint, and, and the beauty of from my standpoint, the beauty of the uh, when you read his, his his decision to rescind was he specifically used the word marijuana, right? So uh, I think it's not good for the plant overall, but as far as the industrial side of things, the hemp specific side, it makes sense uh, that it, that there's less risk there. He doesn't even mention hemp at all, right, in the memo. So uh, I think I don't think it's going to be I don't think it's going to mean anything for marijuana either right. medical I marijuana agree. and the recreational i mean that's not going to do anything in colorado it's not going to happen in california or oregon or washington i think that the whole thing's smoke and mirrors and sessions can just go fuck himself it's a stall technique <laughs> it's a stall technique and you know we don't want him to go behind you know what i mean come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah 
It is, it is amazing to see, though. I, I think in a lot of ways feel lucky this administration is so weak because oftentimes when there isn't a strong uh, hand at the helm, the drug war uh, rolls on. William Bennett, who I, it was Clinton's uh, drug czar, I think. And so Clinton wasn't really doing much of the drug war either way, and so it continued to – the DEA just continued to do what they do, and no one was really paying attention to them, and they just arrested, ruined lives, wasted a bunch of money, and they just kept doing that. And that's what happens. The, the, the DEA and the drug war never shrinks. It just has administrations where it doesn't grow as much, but continues to do that same amount of damage. And in some ways, you know, there hasn't been as many raids as far as I know. Obama, people, people think Obama, Obama's really hard on the marijuana industry. There were more raids of legal marijuana and medical marijuana under him than there were under uh, George W. Bush, which is surprising to a lot of people. But, you know, Obama, in his chess master way, chose not to spend any of his capital on the marijuana stuff, and so heads got busted because he wouldn't take a stand. And it's a huge industry, right? So the, 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 the private the private prison industry is a huge multi billion dollar industry. So um, there's definitely an incentive to to pay attention to other things instead. Absolutely. So Lex, predictions for 2018: legislation, market changes, Bloomberg. What do you see happening? It uh, hopefully will be another growing year without a whole bunch of waves. That would really because what's great about what's happening right now is because the really big players are still a little bit too nervous to get into this, this marketplace. It means that it's all these little players uh, like Bluebird, like a bunch of others who are just American entrepreneurs and applying their, that, you know, unique weird genius of America to this problem and coming out with all these cool kind of products and new ways of doing it, new ways of marketing, you know, breaking open the ideas, educating. And it's a really cool time. It's kind of what one thing this country does best. And it, you know, you look back to when beer uh, was, allowed to become smaller again and how much ingenuity happened after that. And it feels like this industry is in the same place right now. So we're hoping for more market growth policies that continue to shape things in our favor, especially for us. That would be the 2018 Farm Bill because we're likely to pass the Industrial Hemp Banking Act, um, which is earmarked into the, the federal Farm Bill. And so that would be a big deal. That would mean because it's still a big problem for the industry getting access to banking. And it means you have to maybe use offshore processors or things that make people nervous. And it's just, you know, for something that's obviously this legal, the banks are just such cowards in general when the Senate already, you know, those cowards in the Senate said this is okay, but those cowards uh, that run the banks still won't touch it. And hopefully once they get the protection of Industrial Hemp Banking Act, they'll finally really open up this industry to more capital, more just processing. Um, the other thing that, that is definitely worth watching for anyone out there is the FDA and how they're going to be handling GW Pharmaceuticals and their pending approval of Epidiolex. I'm not sure. That, I think that's how you say it out loud. Um, Correct. But that's it right. is Epidiolex, yeah. It's, and what's cool, I mean, it's, it's a great thing. It's CBD for epileptic children, and it's very well measured and things like that. And so in one sense, you know, the pharmaceuticalization of cannabis is a very good thing because parts of it need studied and really earmarked well. When you're talking very serious diseases, you do need to have a lot of knowledge there about exactly what happens when you're not just using this for general anti-aging stuff. But GW has pulled some moves. Um, it seems like they're part of the reason that South Dakota put in these really restrictive laws and which is the reason that we're not shipping there. They tried to get their legislation that's very protectionistic put in around the country, and there's a fear that they're going to do that same thing using the FDA and saying, well, now that CBD is a pharmaceutical, you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of companies selling it will have to be shut down somehow. Not that the FDA would go that far, but it depends how they might start throwing their weight around. So that, that's worth watching. So far, though, the FDA mostly 
you know, it's making cancer claims, it's making huge medical claims for these products. That's what the FDA seems to care about so far. And even the past decade or two, the FDA has become more and more science-friendly on things like uh, MDMA and psychedelics. Like, they really are following the science uh, more than they get credit for sometimes. They are sometimes, there's a lot of, you know, shenanigans and bullshit around the FDA, but it's not all bad. And it's, I think it's unfair for the activists to paint it only in a black light when, you know, I know a lot of scientists that are, you know, trying to do good work. Um, but, you know, it's still a political process. So our main hope is that the FDA acts very reasonably this, same with the USDA and the state attorney generals, and that this um, industrial hemp farming act will gain momentum in Congress and we'll get that passed before the elections next year. You know, the Industrial Hemp Farming Act, we've talked about that with a couple other folks today, and there's obviously a lot of good in there, and there's some amendments that need to be made before it would get voted on and, and passed into law, particularly the CBD industry is protected, and that all parts of the plant are, and that the DEA is really out of the picture, and the FDA is limited to some degree on what they're going to be able to do. But, you know, the FDA is going to be involved one way or another, and hopefully it's going to be in our benefit and not just the benefit of Big Pharma and GW and, and that and, and throws another big roadblock into the growth of our industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think in some ways the, the reasonable hope, because you can't keep – I think it's hard to imagine in this country keeping out something like the Budweiser, um, Anheuser-Busch of marijuana. There will be some giant players like that out there because that's just the way the world works. And most people are fine with Budweiser anyway, but the better we can get the laws crafted. So there's protection for that kind of small craft brewing ideal that is such an American thing. So there's really a space for small entrepreneurs and innovators to come out with new ways of doing things. I, you know, that would really be a, one of the best ways that it could possibly go uh, in terms of how it might practically happen in this country. Absolutely. I mean, I've been a proponent of, the craft brewery market, the cottage market. I come from the music industry, owning an independent label with the influence from sub pop records and epitaph. And you got these indie bands with indie labels and they're entrepreneurs, they're artists, they're creators. And the same, same thing in the cannabis market. You've got all these cool little small brands, whether that's on the hemp side or the medical side and even the recreational side. And a lot of these guys will certainly get filtered out, but the people that are developing good craft brews you know, they've built their business. You look at Oscar Blues, Dale's Pale Ale, you look at New Belgium, you look at Stone, you look at some of these craft breweries that have grown into huge, huge companies. They're not Budweiser, they're not Miller, but they're huge companies that take care of their employees and have a really good ethos as to how they operate their business. And I see a lot of the same things with companies like Bluebird or Functional Remedies and some of these other companies that are out there that are collaborating, good people, want to do right by the plant and want to do right by the planet and, and right by the people. I think it's exciting times. Amen. And Amen. even bigger. So lucky. Go ahead. Go ahead, they, please. They have to take on the federal government as well. So they're not only like the craft brewers, but they're even, they have to have a bigger responsibility because they have to educate the public and take on the government and these change of regulations and develop an industry. The craft brew, there's already a beer industry. We're, these guys are creating an industry, and it's absolutely fantastic to watch and to be a part of. Yeah, it is exciting times. I feel really lucky. And I feel lucky to find, a, as a new father, I feel lucky to find a company like Bluebird who has good health insurance. And, you know, those are the kind of companies you that you like to see. Well, Bluebird's one of our favorites. We appreciate you coming on. 
Oh, actually, maybe uh, one one last plug, just because since Moore's Beagle is here, um, we actually just started a Bluebird uh, podcast. We're calling it the Greener Grass podcast. And Moore's Beagle, our fair host, is our uh, first interviewee for the first episode. So if anybody wants to look up the Greener Grass podcast, it's a, another place for hemp and psychedelic news. Um, and we Our main site is on Greener Grass on Libsyn, but it should be on any of the major podcast services like iTunes and Stitcher and, and uh, Google Play. Sounds good, Lex. Thanks for... Uh joining us today. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I know Rick's on one of your episodes that's upcoming as well. And, you know, mm-hmm. podcasts for the hemp industry. We can all be on each other. Mine wasn't as good, Morris. Mine wasn't as good. So you, you beat me to it. <laughs> that's because I'm yeah, one of mine first and it was, it was horrible. So yours was much better. So Lex had to take yours. I don't play. Well, you can't sit there and tap your fucking pin on top of the microphone as you talk all the time. Well, that's, <laughs> you should have told me that. <laughs> you two have a beautiful future as co-hosts. Yeah, maybe marriage partners too, but I think I think you've got the secret ingredient. Abiding can sell out here. Host All right. works for me. Host works for me. I'm a commitment of folks. Um, <laughs> thanks, Lex. We appreciate it, man. All right. Bye. Thank you, guys. Have fun. Take care. Have a good one. All right. All right. Bye. Once again, big thanks to Tim from Functional Remedies, Danny from Nature's Root, Stuart from CV Sciences, and Lex from Bluebird Botanicals. We appreciate all of you sharing your time and knowledge with us here at the 422. And as we get this podcast dialed in and the production kinks worked out, we would love to hear from you guys. Email us at the 422 at com, and you can listen to this show at letstalkhemp.com as well as at blogtalkradio.com slash letstalkhemp and many other podcast services on the net, including iTunes. Next up, let's hear from Rick and what is going on with the Hemp Road Trip in 2018. Thanks, Morris. Dude, that was for our first time. That was so many takes. It felt like for real, like Hollywood or like L.A., like L.A. or like New York. But like if L.A. and New York are like in Detroit. So like we're going to nail this down and we're going to get it cleaned up. And we're killing it so far. So <laughs> way to stay strong through it, brother. So here we go. Coming up, we got a ton of awesome stuff. We have the... New England Cannabis Conference, NECAN, in Boston, March 24th, 25th at the Heinz Convention Center downtown. Check it out. Road trip will be out there. It's a great spot. We also have um, the HIA. I'll just jump forward to the end of the year here. We got the HIA Conference in November, Hemp Industries Association, the National Association uh, for the Trade, the Trade Advocacy Group, November 2nd through 5th in Los Angeles. Hemp Summit 2020 in Naklau, Poland, middle of nowhere, beautiful Poland in the middle of this palace, October 26th, 27th, 2018. Uh, Morris, you and I went a couple months ago. Absolutely amazing. We met some incredible leaders from European Union, Nepal, Australia, Israel. Uh, I got to ride the latest German-engineered hemp harvester for home farms. Uh, It was super, super fun. So finally, we have the uh, second to last, we have the Hemp Road Trip kicks off. Our tour in a couple of weeks here in Iowa, January 30th through February 3rd. We're going to help. Uh, we're partnering up with Iowa Hemp Association and Vote Hemp, and we're going to help push state and federal legislation, uh, working with advocacy groups. We'll visit Iowa State, speak with legislators. We'll do a Hemp Farming 101 seminar, and then we're going to also screen the new Hemp Road Trip documentary version of the film. So you can come out, check us out on hempevents.org. Facebook and Hemp Road Trip. Uh, Last but not least, and most importantly, as our guest said today, everyone is looking forward to the NOCO Hemp Expo. Morris. So NOCO 5, 
2018, yes, we've got all kinds of things happening this year, including we're sold out of space and currently taking waiting list applications. So we're a bit overwhelmed at the moment, but we're totally excited for all the new stuff happening at NOCO this year, including a farm and ag symposium, which is going to be on day two, Saturday in the McKee building. And that follows up the Hemp Summit, which is going to be the day before. So we've got an extra building this year. It's the same building we used in 2015, but we didn't have it in 2016 or 2017. So our footprint for the event has grown, and we're expecting close to 6,000 people this year. Totally excited. People coming in from all around the world. We've got a variety of other conferences and events that are partnered with NOCO this year and that we're partnering with and helping bring some speakers and panels and education components too. So I see just a huge year ahead of us here in the hemp industry. Agreed. It's going to be a great year for us all. And we're looking forward to it. All the speakers said today, this 2017 was great. And I think we can expect uh, very similar on 2018, but we got to keep this push and this focus on changing these laws uh, as a priority. Yeah, and like you mentioned before, you know, hempevents.org, there's several other events that we've got on the calendar for this year. You mentioned several of them. Um, I'm heading to Cancun at the end of this month for a little vacay. My birthday's at the end of the month, but we're going to go check out some hemp housing in Tulum, and these guys are doing amazing things there. They're also doing Cocoa Creek. So looking forward to seeing what's happening in Mexico. And also, I've been invited to speak in Greece the beginning of June for the Ball Cannabis, going to be in Athens, home of the gods. Looking forward to that. Spend a couple of weeks in Europe, probably join the Hemp Industries European Association Conference that's going to be in Cologne, Germany. I think HIA is doing a like a 10-day tour out there, probably going to jump on that for a little bit. I'm not going to be able to do the whole thing, but going out earlier. Anyway, there's so many cool events going on and opportunities for people in the hemp industry, leaders, advocates, entrepreneurs to connect, you know, throughout the United States and around the world, where I think that we're going to be able to make a, you know, a lot of progress this year for this plan. We're we're going to have to figure out how to say, let's talk hemp in a bunch of different languages. Yeah, we need a translator. Let's throw it out there. do it. You know what? No, I'll just eat. I'm going to only eat hemp for 30 days, and then I'm automatically just going to start speaking in tongues because that's what happens. Because hemp <laughs> can make you speak other languages without even doing anything. So I'm just going to eat it and just start, blah, 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 and everyone will understand what I'm saying. It's going to be fantastic. Well, yeah, it's the most evangelical plant of all time, period. Yeah. I mean, I don't even need to evangelical localize. I just need to eat the hemp <laughs> and then talk. It'll be perfect. Let's talk but in awesome show, man. We're looking forward to it. Thank you guys for tuning in. Super, uh, super appreciative to all of our guests today. Uh, thank you, Morris, and Let's Talk Hemp. And everyone get, uh, get signed up for NOCO. Get your tickets now because the tickets will sell out just like the vendors have already sold out. So um, we're, we're bursting out of our space. And so uh, get your tickets now. Get in while you can. Next year we'll be in Denver, a lot bigger space. But get in while the tickets are available. Right on. Thanks for a good show there, Rick. We'll do it again here in the next week or so. Look forward to episode two. Talk to you.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.